0: Warning, we're not medical professionals. We're just two gross weirdos fascinated by bodily functions who read too much WebMD. This podcast will contain some pretty gross content, so listen at your own risk. Gross podcast. Gross podcast. The podcast where we talk about gross bodily functions and phenomena. I'm Katie. I'm Jessica. And we're here with our amazing host and longtime friend, Amanda, to talk about uh, to talk more about nasty skin allergies and a scary ingredient that's everywhere, in everything. Sorry, that was kind of like clickbaity. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't afraid of um, Morgellons. You should get afraid now. Uh, (laughs) Halloween episode. (laughs) (laughs) The scary thing that's in everything you use. (laughs) And it's just a picture of Selena Gomez for no reason. Hey, Jessica, how's your body? Wait, We should ask Amanda. She's our guest. Me first? Yeah, (laughs) unless you're scared. No. (laughs)
1: Uh, My body is okay. I, I didn't sleep really well last night. I had a nightmares all night long and then i woke up and my whole body was like tense like my shoulders were up around my ears and it was really dumb because the nightmare was a dumb one that i've never had before and it just kept happening (laughs) throughout the whole night where i kept losing my purse
0: oh i hate (laughs) those ones
1: the mundane one? I, I was just like, it was like I was on vacation or wherever. I was like some in some place, like I was on somewhere and I'm like, my purse, oh no. <laughs> my passport, my money. It was so oh. stupid. I get that
0: about my keys sometimes. I'm, I, mm-hmm. I, I am not a person who loses things. So I always feel like my brain being like, well, you're so arrogant about this in real life. Like, <laughs> we're going to make you lose everything in your dreams. Yeah like Haha, you lost your keys tonight yeah i think i told you i had that dream recently that i was trying to play a guitar and then it was like that youtube video where they like sample in like bad out of tune oh, instruments like, Bling ball, yeah boy. and like i was try it was like i had to practice for a show and i had to like play then like that night and then i was trying to play and it was like <laughs> <laughs> And I was like,
1: why? (laughs) Performance anxiety. Yeah. I get the, yeah. I I have no idea what this dream meant. I was like, well, I guess it's just general anxiety dream. Uh Jessica, how's your body? Um,
0: I feel like I've been talking to you about this a lot in real life as opposed to not real life on the podcast. Um, (laughs) but I got prescribed Adderall by my doctor Um, After my therapist suggested it, and it's been like a weird roller coaster of figuring out if that's the right drug for me and I feel like it does work for its neurological purposes But the physical reactions have been crazy and I hate it. Mm -hmm. I don't like how my body reacts to it I get constipated I have trouble sleeping even if I take less I just don't feel like my sleep quality is as good Mm -hmm. I like have those kind of like I don't know like I feel like this is true of like anyone who has anxiety where you like have you feel like you sleep but you're not really asleep you know your brain kind of turned off but like you're still thinking somehow Mm -hmm. um so like that's the kind of sleep that I have if I've taken a lot of Adderall and I just don't think that, oh, I was getting this other weird thing where I was feeling like my ears were popping, Me. and I don't know if that was just like... Like, like on an airplane? Yeah. Huh. Like, I was just having all these really intense physical reactions to it, and it sucks because it does help with my ADD, but I'm feeling like the physical reactions are too annoying, especially yeah. the constipation. <laughs> it's not fun, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> And Katie and I were talking about this before. It doesn't seem to make sense because other stimulants make you poop and I don't understand why Adderall... It makes you constipated when like if I smoke coffee or smoke cigarettes, smoke coffee, uh, <laughs> smoke cigarettes or drink coffee,
1: I have to poop all the time. Well, isn't that how Adderall works? Like if you don't need it, it feels like a stimulant, but if you're, if you do need it, it makes you concentrate and focus.
0: It does make me concentrate and focus. And that really, it really helps with that element. Yeah. But and it seems to help with like the weird ADD symptoms that I have, unless I'm like, like improperly diagnosed, which could be a possibility. But like the best example I can think of is like when I first started taking it, I just made myself a sandwich because I was hungry. And that's literally not something that I do. Um, I don't know how to cook for myself. And I've always kind of like been told by therapists and things that like cooking and cleaning and those sort of like daily life tasks that I, for some reason, struggle immensely with is like due to ADD and I was just finally able to be like oh you pull out bread you put some shit on it and you eat it and that's what you do but like that's not how my brain works my brain task yeah Yeah. my brain just goes like how do I even start opening the bread how do I (laughs) like it's just like what if I don't want to really eat a sandwich what if I start eating the sandwich and it tastes bad like it's just this whole Thing And with, with Adderall, I could just be like, oh, I feel hunger pains. I'm going to walk into the kitchen. I'm going to make myself a sandwich. I'm going to eat it. And yeah. like, literally, my partner, Tim, was like, did you just make yourself <laughs> a sandwich? Sing- like, what are you doing? Because I'm
1: usually who like, who are you? And what have you Will done with you my jetpacker?
0: Because I don't know how to be an adult. And so it's nice to have that kind of yeah. feeling about things. But I just. I've also been told that, like, bodily I'm more sensitive, and so I don't know if I'm just reacting really physically. Well, yeah, so I was going to mention that because, like, I used to be on Adderall and Dexedrine and a couple other different types of stimulants for narcolepsy many years Mm -hmm. ago, which we could talk about sometime, but it's not really gross, so I haven't brought it up yet, I don't think, but um, my experience with that type of medication was, like, it makes you weigh less sensitive to the demands of your body so I know you're way better at drinking water than I am but for me like I I will go like a whole day without even realizing that I'm thirsty or oh, that I insane. had nothing to drink besides like a cup of coffee and so like I think that that is part of where that constipation comes from is that like I'm not thinking about drinking as many liquids and I'm not thinking about oh, eating yeah. as much not, or when I do eat I'm like ah shit like I need to eat and I'll, I'll eat something really healthy, like, a lot of vegetables and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm not consuming the amount of grains and bulk that I normally would that kind of keeps you flowing. So, like, <clears throat> I I have to be better about, like, eating a lot of fiber and stuff yeah. because it's not as automatic when I'm on a stimulant like that. But... The Adderall makes me more thirsty, so I'm actually drinking more water, and I'm yeah. peeing every five minutes. Well, it's it's also a diuretic, <laughs> you so pee every
1: five minutes all the time anyway. I know,
0: no, I was peeing I was peeing like every six minutes, <laughs> and then on Adderall, like it's every it, five. You
1: shaved yeah. a minute off. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. which I think I t- I can't remember if I've talked about that here or before or elsewhere, but I was. Um, Watching just some random YouTube video about like someone asking a doctor like why they have to pee all the time. And the doctor was like, well, there's this psychological thing that your brain does where like if you're in kind of a crisis situation or if you're under a lot of anxiety, like it's going to sort of turn off your bodily functions like having Mm -hmm. to pee. And then as soon as you're somewhere that you're feeling safe or like some like your environment changes and you can relax, your body turns that back on and it's like, oh, time to pee. Like, mm-hmm. now that you're safe. And, like, I know that that happens every single time I come home from yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Like, every time I'm trying to get in the door, like, right. all of a sudden I have to pee like a racehorse. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, I just peed before I left work. Like, what is this? How do I stop this? And it's just because home is like a safe place and my body knows like, oh, you're here. We can relax and we can pee everything that you've been holding in. And so I feel like that's part of what happens because like being a person with a lot of anxiety, like you're way more likely to be in that state where your brain's like, don't worry about it. We're not peeing right now. And then like as soon as something changes, you're like, Oh god. Yeah, like every time you have to like shift environment. Yeah. Like I'm immediately like, I need to pee. Yeah, even if your bladder is not full, that's the problem, is that like you have to pee every five minutes, but it's because your brain's like, now's a good time to pee. Now's a good time to pee. It's
1: not because you actually have to be. Yeah, that's yeah. really tightly related to something I call vacation constipation, <laughs> <laughs> which is like every time I go on a trip, whether it's like a va- like actual vacation or work or like a long road trip or something, it's like my body goes into this mode where I'm like, oh, I don't know. The next time there's going to be a bathroom or mm-hmm. a decent bathroom mm-hmm. or some place that i'm comfortable just you know whatever so it's like the the whole system just like goes on lockdown and it's like nope uh, and it's like i know it's tied to anxiety and it's like but it's just like nope we're not gonna happen also like you know it's like that whole fight or flight, or freeze thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, basically, um, you can use your arms and legs, but everything inside your torso is just, like, closed off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, you don't need to eat or drink. Also, no matter if you even do that, we won't let anything out of this yeah. lockdown zone. Like It's just going like... to stack up in your esophagus <laughs> yeah. until we have a minute to relax. Right, and then you're, like, stacked up in your esophagus, and then you're, like, on day five of vacation, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then it doesn't matter like with, Whether or not you're in some safe Happy place or whatever you're Just like okay this is happening Whether I want it to or not
0: mm-hmm. Oh another weird physical thing I'm craving cigarettes more Which sucks And I think it's because my body recognizes it As like this is a stimulant You know what other thing is a stimulant This sexy thing you love to do That's killing you slowly like, <laughs> And that's probably Really bad for my health Probably. <laughs> How's um. your body, Katie? Oh, my body. So I I mentioned this to Jessica the other day, but I feel like I've been getting a lot more blackheads in the last couple weeks, like huh. across the top of my chest and on my face, like in my T-zone area, I guess. And I have not changed anything about my routine or the products I use and i've been trying to figure out if that's because of the wildfire smoke that there's like ambient stuff in the air that is like oxidizing or getting trapped in my pores it's been a struggle for me as a picker because i want to pick out every single one of those blackheads yeah. and i i feel like my face is kind of doing okay right now but i definitely have like a a canvas of wounds across my chest right now where I've been attacking these blackheads and I can't I'm I'm I feel like I gotta up my game in terms of like exfoliating and preventing these things but I don't know why else they it would have Well you don't so there's like
1: there's mm. nothing with like diet or no nope. different products, stress. Not really. Age. Age, <laughs> age, yeah. I know. I thought
0: about that. And I also, like, I noticed I have some wrinkles around my eyes that I, like, hadn't really noticed before, which is, like, whatever. I feel like I'm, like, things happen when you get older, but I feel like this came on very suddenly. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's how you like, know it's not matter. gradual. Mm-hmm. In yeah. The way that you're like, oh, my face is, like, falling right. closer to the ground. And i <laughs> I like I don't I don't think I live a stress free life or anything, but I feel like since getting my like eight to five mm-hmm. full time job, like things are pretty consistent and my stress levels are pretty like um, manageable, and I can anticipate when things are going to change and take care of myself a little bit better um so I don't know if it's related to that also I know like historically that's not usually how I react to stress so right I will like break out in hives and stuff but blackheads is a not that I never get blackheads but I don't usually get them in such an array it's funny because when you asked me if I was getting a bunch of blackheads on my chest and I was like I don't really notice because I have like a chest tattoo and then I was like <laughs> What if like that was a secret to not paying attention to your other zits is you just like get big facial tattoos across <laughs> like you just cover everything yeah. with tattoos and then yeah. never have to worry about acne I'll ever just again. Get, I'll just get a weird like chin strap tattoo <laughs> for the weird areas in my jawline that I get bad cystic acne.
1: Perfect. It's yeah. just Start. barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this goes the illustrated man for Halloween, uh-huh. but then like just really do it yeah. forever.
0: Yeah. That'll go over great at my accounting job. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's
0: a perfect plan. Yep. (laughs) But, yeah. Also, the other thing that happened is I, I got my birth control implant taken out a couple weeks ago, which I mentioned, but I had my first real period since getting it out. And I was on the hormonal one, so I had a very light period before. And with my first real period... Um, of course, I, I also fell asleep on the couch, and periods changed my couch. Yay! So, I'm like, welcome back to <laughs> having a real period. Here we go. This is what life is like now. <laughs> it's, it's been a...
1: so beautiful cycle. I know. You marked I'm, your territory. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, to remember, like, okay, this is, like, a, a normal thing that everyone else deals with, and I've been, like... Lucky enough to have had this hormone that worked for me for a long time, and I, I've hadn't really had to deal with this to the same degree that other people with uteruses do for the last like ten plus years. But um, I'm excited to to get more acquainted with my cycle for it to be a larger presence in my life. Oh yeah, it's great, except for the cleanup. <laughs>
1: Speaking of cleanup.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die if you clean your house.
1: Don't clean your house ever.
0: So, Amanda is <clears throat> allergic to, I'm going to say this correctly, Once. I hope, methyl isothiazolinone. <laughs> <laughs> also, we've abbreviated as M I, I saw it as M I T. It's um, often used in conjunction with MCI. MCI. It's kind of a a class of biocide, which is used as a preservative in tons of products, in cosmetic and skincare products, in cleaning products, in industrial applications, in everything we're looking at. Like even in products that are natural or...
1: For babies. For babies, yeah. I would say if there's a product and it's, like, not a powder. Like, if it's not a solid or a powder. If it's in, like, a liquid or a foam or any kind of semi-liquid, a gel state. The chances of it having MI in it as a preservative are greater than the chances of it not.
0: Ooh, jeez. So, it's a product that anyone can become allergic to through chronic exposure so it's not something that we start out allergic to a lot of allergens work this way so you're not allergic to it when you're a baby but if you use a lot of products or you're exposed to a lot of um, things that are were washed in a detergent containing this material or it's in a lot of the products that you're consistently exposed to you can build up an allergy to it. Amanda do you want to talk about what your
1: allergic reaction to that generally looks like so the first time i actually had a breakout of something happening to my skin uh because of this allergy was in january of a few years ago it started off as tiny little you know millimeter wide blisters on my hand uh they were all round and um I was like, gosh, this is so weird. What is this? I thought that I had come in contact with something, you know, out of the ordinary, something that was some chemical irritant or – because I've never had a skin allergy in my life. I have never I never have been diagnosed with any kind of allergy in my life. And then eventually, uh, after going through, you know, I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but going through all the, the process of getting diagnosed – It went from tiny little round blisters that covered one finger to covering my hands to being on my hands and inside of my elbows and then all over my body and then these blisters would... Um, pop and there'd just be water inside of them and then the blisters would turn into scabs and the scabs would turn into scales and then there'd be parts <laughs> of my skin that were like scaly some parts that were active blisters some parts that were just like huge patches of open wound skin mm-hmm. and it was really unbearable and it got to the point where it was like you know i i just i i Felt like I was losing my mind because nobody could tell me what was wrong, and there was so much physical symptom that something was really, really wrong. And that was just when I was like, okay, great. So uh, this—that's when I was just the only thing I'd let touch me was like bar soap and water.
0: <laughs> Methyl isothiazolinone was named the two 2000- thousand. 13 uh, contact dermatitis allergen of the year, I believe. So this is a a recognized effect of an ingredient that is, I feel like becoming more widely known among the medical community to uh, cause problems with individuals. And, um, we talked on our last episode about, um, eczema and other things that can come through, uh, like allergen-related contact dermatitis. And this is, in some respects, kind of a classical case of that. But because of the way in which we're um, constantly surrounded by uh, things to exposure to this, um, I feel like it goes a little bit above and beyond that. So this ingredient was, in our research, like we found it was first registered with the EPA in 1977, as an antimicrobial agent and um, since then it has been used in a bunch of industrial applications like they so it it prevents and controls fungi algae slime forming bacteria and molds (laughs) um, stuff like that so they use it in um, pulp and paper mills in oil field operations, industrial water processing, and air washing systems um, in like adhesives and coatings and fuels and paints and resin and um, all kinds of other stuff as a preservative. So that like means that you can leave this can of paint or epoxy on your shelf for eight years and Mold isn't gonna grow in them because it has this mixed in with it as well. Yeah, or
1: your industrial floor cleaner.
0: Yeah, it's in a thirty-gallon
1: drum of industrial floor cleaner.
0: It's in a lot of cleaning products, in like, um, like almost all cleaning products, (laughs) and it is has been approved in the United States by the FDA for use in. Cosmetics and skincare products that have a rinse off application, so it is approved for use in things like. No, 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 that's the EU. That's in the EU, yeah. Okay, so in the the US, US, they can put it in anything, you can put it in
1: anything, yeah.
0: Because isn't it in lotions? It's in in everything, so that's not a rinse off application, no, no, okay. So, I that's okay, so. What I was reading, I must have been vague about that. So, the EU has identified it as an agent that's not good yeah, for continued
1: they, exposure. So, in 2013, it got, um, it was listed as the contact dermatitis allergen of the year. And one of the reasons that they gave it that title was because um, allergists were starting to see people um, just in their clinics every day developing allergies to this on a scale that they had, it was pretty unprecedented in terms of like contact dermatitis allergens, you know, like, oh, you're allergic to touching this or, you know, and that's kind of this offshoot of what you were talking about, um, in a previous podcast in terms of, uh, psoriasis and what was, what's the other one? Eczema. Eczema. Yeah. Psoriasis and eczema, you know, can be caused by... Lots of different things, and they can also just be caused by generalized inflammation Mm -hmm. that they don't, doctors really don't know, oh, well, you know, you have this, so your skin reacts this way. Allergies to MI are specifically through contact. So they were finding, like, this contact dermatitis, okay, you touched something, it made your skin explode. Why is that? And allergists were starting to see cases in unprecedented numbers in their clinics, like, We've never seen people be allergic to anything like this before. Mm -hmm. So that's why they named it that. And so that was 2013. And then in 2014, the EU started investigating, like, well, if this is the allergen of the year and people are vastly allergic to it and very few studies have been done, and if they have, they've been, you know, not really conclusive or they've been funded by the wrong people or whatever. So they started doing studies and trying to do independent studies about Am I? And then by, I think it was 2014, the EU decided that they should try and make it illegal that it could be left so that it could be in any leave on products so that they were trying to just make it so it could only be in products that you rinse off like shampoos mm-hmm. or um, soaps or whatever, yeah. not like suntan lotion or like wrinkle cream or baby wipes or whatever. So in 2016, they passed the law in the EU and then it just went into effect in 2017. So now if I go to the EU, I'm pretty safe unless I <laughs> use uh, shampoo or something. Yeah.
0: But you said like you do react just with like really short
1: exposure to oh, something. Oh, just let, I mean less than five second exposure. Cause like that's the thing that makes me a little angry too is that the yes, the EU is moving in the right steps, but when they say we can leave it in rinse off products, like rinse off products like hand soap. If I wash my hands with hand soap that has MI in it, even if I just, you know, it's 30 seconds of washing my hands and then like, you know, a minute of rinsing because sometimes I'm in situations where I don't know I'm in a situation I have to use soap and I may not have soap, my soap on me and then it's, you know, 30 seconds of exposure, and then it's three days of blisters on my hands. Yeah. So
0: this, um, it, it is a known cytotoxin, which means it's toxic to um, different types of cells, and that's why it works as a biocide and a pesticide, but it's, um, like, how it is defined as an allergen is becoming more clear. So... Um, they also have identified that it can be a neurotoxin, so it causes nerve damage. And there was one study out of the University of Pittsburgh where they tested it on rats, and it it seems like sort of like the the aspartame study, where you know, like they exposed these rats to so much of it, and with agents that would. Um, like, increase the effect of it, Mm -hmm. but they only had to expose these rats to it for 10 minutes in order for it to start having neurotoxic effects. Mm -hmm. So, there are starting to be some, like, plans for studies, studies starting to address whether or not this has this neurotoxic effect in humans as well, which I would assume it probably does. Well, one of the things that I found is there actually was a study um, that found out that it would have neurotoxic effects in vitro. In our last episode, we said, you know, if you want to avoid eczema and psoriasis and contact dermatitis, like stick to stuff that's made for sensitive skin, stuff that is um, fragrance-free. Dermatologist recommended. (laughs) Dermatologist recommended. You have to say it in that voice. (laughs) With this ingredient, it is still in so many of the products that are under those headings. So. Things that are made for babies, things that are fragrance free and made for sensitive skin can still have this preservative in it. Things that are marketed as natural can still have this preservative in it. Yeah, I'm pretty annoyed to find out that all that hippy dippy stuff apparently also has it in it, like seventh (laughs) generation and stuff. It's (laughs) like, if you're gonna, like, what's the point then? Because if you're gonna basically not work, which is what most of those (laughs) soaps are like anyway, if you're going to smell bad and not work, Why bother having this garbage in it? It's the bottom line.
1: (laughs) They're saving, they're saving, you know, a few cents on the dollar in these huge batches of products that they're making that they then put into, you know, these single use spray bottles that you get at the store or your container of dish soap or whatever. They want to make it last longer on the shelf. People think that their product should last a really long time in their house And they also want to go to Costco and buy the industrial sized fill in the blank product, even though they may only live in a two person household, their companies are like, well, I'm sure whatever biocides and like fungicides and antimicrobials that they were using in the nineties for all of these products, all these makeup companies, all of these home beauty care product companies that were doing that, they were using something else. It's not like lotions only used to last two weeks after you bought them (laughs) would still last a while, but whatever they're using now, I mean the MI and the MI derivatives and like the, the brand names that they're coming up with to, I don't know why companies are also doing that, but to come up with their own brand names so that people can't even figure out, you know, they have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out whether their product is going to, if they're going to be allergic to it, like they're just saving like five cents on a huge industrial batch.
0: Well, it's clear that they know something's wrong or else they wouldn't be doing these, like... Trying to hide it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. These, <laughs> like, you like said... finding these, like, ways to call it something else. You like... said they
1: could hide it in the, the fragrance? So there's a thing called the MSDS, and that's short for the Material Safety Data Sheet. And you... I I figured this out really on early on after you know, being diagnosed as with this allergy to this really specific thing is I'm like, okay, well, I'm not allergic to pretty much anything else in the world. And I need to figure out everything in my house that may contain this one product. And a lot of times you look on the back label of a product and sometimes it doesn't even say the ingredients. And sometimes it will say weird Things Like, look, I mean, seriously, like go to your laundry detergent and look on the back. And sometimes it just says like sulfates and cleansing products and other natural ingredients. And you're like, what is that? What do I, (laughs) that's not. So then the one thing you can do, your, your, your fallback for dealing with anything like that is to go and look up the material data safety sheet, (laughs) material safety data sheet um and that is like this list and i don't know if it's the if it's i don't know what government regulatory umbrella that falls under but it's like you have to list everything in there but there is a backdoor loophole for that and that is if something contains less parts per million than a certain threshold companies can just label that as fragrance or perfume yeah and people can still be like violently allergic to the chemicals that are inside of that
0: I like I feel like this should be you know like there's I think like seven or eight allergens in food like nuts, milk, soy, corn wheat wheat that like if if you have those, even in trace amounts, even if it there is, like, possible contamination, you have to list those. Yeah, it says yeah, like in on your the ingredients list. Yeah, this
1: factory yeah. also produces
0: products. In bold, <laughs> Great. it has At to be bottom. on the label, like, after the ingredients mm-hmm. list, like, may contain milk products or something. I feel like that, that sort of thing needs to be in place with all of these other products as well, where it'd be, like, may contain like, select number of allergens, like this one, that have been named, like, top right. allergen of the year. or <laughs> whatever. You know, like, if it's that much of a problem, like, maybe we need to update our labeling system to take yeah. that into account. But I wonder if it would just be, like, when you buy peanuts, and it, it's, like,
1: ridiculous. It may cause contain like, peanuts? Because it
0: says, like... <laughs> It may contain nuts on like every bottle of, or every like can or whatever you call it, of peanuts. And I feel like every single cosmetic product would then just say, like, may contain allergen.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've been able to navigate the system pretty well. And sure, some things are still really uh, trial and error. You know, there's things that I think are going to be totally fine. Mm-hmm. And then I try them out and I'm like, oops, that mascara was not okay. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of products, you know, I'm trying to find now that a lot of products that are leave-on products, um, especially if they are big sellers in the EU, Mm -hmm. those are okay. A lot of L'Oreal products Hmm. have no MI in them. And like, you can go, it's not really, it's not super accessible on websites, but like you can look up full ingredient lists for any kind of beauty product. And if you can't don't use it because those people are hiding something, (laughs) but (laughs) it's not (laughs) just like (laughs) Halloween makeup that may contain red number five. Like don't use things like that on your face. Most beauty products, most, most makeups, most lotions, most anything you put on your face, you can find, full ingredient list for those and I really encourage everyone to do so because you really want to know what's going on your face and staying on your face all day
0: can you tell us about like the grossest thing that has happened to your eyeballs when you've been exposed eyeballs not really eyeballs um
1: eyelids well you know uh crusting over of the eyelids is (sighs) super fun um that
0: (laughs) I just had that from like when I had a what do you call it? Pink eye. Um, <laughs> and, is and it then like that, that when so you open it's like, it up and it's yeah, just like,
1: it's crust on gross? crust. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I said earlier, there were parts of me that were just full open raw skin. And I'm literally saying that was from like the bottom of my feet to the, my scalp, like mm-hmm. my entire body, there were, it was all, all different stages of you know, fully inflamed to just, like, weird sores to... There were patches of nothing going on. I'm all <laughs> <laughs> why can't it all be like you? But um, <laughs> there was ridiculous parts where um, I was going to, quote-unquote, the best allergist in Bellingham who didn't actually take insurance, and I probably paid her... Oh, God, I hope I'm not outing anyone right now. I probably paid her probably close to... out of pocket in terms Mm -hmm. of services and products, and uh, that was not great, but one of the things she made me do was take two 10-minute oatmeal baths a day. Fun. Um, So I am not a morning person, and uh, I had to start my day off with turning on my you know, antique Victorian bathtub in my (laughs) old apartment building and filling it up deep enough that it would basically, I could get the water over my body Mm -hmm. and then putting in either packs of oatmeal that were starting to get really expensive because it's not just like Quaker oats. Like you have to buy bathing oatmeal that dissolves. Or you can just get Quaker oatmeal and smash it up and roll it up with rolling pins and get it all super fine and powdery and put it in a pantyhose <laughs> <laughs> and then put that in your bath. But I was just like, oh, I'm being really lazy about this. So I would just do packs of these bathing oatmeal[s] and uh, they had to be cold baths. Oh, no. So cold oatmeal oh. baths twice a day, um, which in hindsight did nothing. that was um that was there were a lot of dead ends in getting diagnosed with this they put me on um oral steroids uh a lot of times which I don't understand I mean like the the steroid creams were okay sometimes that would relieve a little discomfort but like Mm -hmm. the oral steroids I was just like what is the point of this it made me I don't know. I actually chipped a tooth one time. Ah, (laughs) Oh. Well, I was always trying to find things to stop myself from scratching. I was always trying to find things to do with my hands. Yeah. So that I wouldn't be distracted in any way. I mean, I'd scratch myself bloody at night. Mm. And I'd have to sleep with gloves and rubber gloves and fabric gloves and... Rubber gloves inside of fabric gloves, and just socks on my hands at one point. <laughs> like oven mitts. You're like
0: you're like little babies when they have to put those little things on the firstborn mittens yeah. when they have like
1: razor blade fingernails. <laughs> Um, I always had to keep my nails like beyond the shortest possible. So I had, um, they had me on oral steroids at one point and I was trying to do something. So I was just doing sewing projects, just trying to keep my hands busy. If I was just at home, I would be cooking or cleaning or like if there was any time in front of the TV, I wouldn't let my hands get bored. So I was Mm -hmm. sewing and I went and I was being foolish and I, I bit the thread with my teeth. Oh. And instead of, you know, it was like day two of steroids. And instead of uh, biting the thread, I bit the needle. Oh, no. And I chipped, like, this huge thing off the front of my teeth. And then I'm just standing there in the bathroom. I'm like, ah. It was just, like, a really low point. <laughs> Just like De- the beginning the- of dealing i was too strong that's what i told myself i was super well, strong from the steroids I was like- and i'm just biting through like metal needles
0: <laughs> but they also like steroids also raise your your blood pressure and stuff so you're
1: doing a lot more
0: i, feel like I, was, like, I felt like i was i feel like i was clenching everything and
1: everything yeah i was clenching everything all the time and it was really stupid of me to try and bite down on a thread while watching <laughs> Law and Order SVU or whatever I was doing. But I bit through that needle and had to get the front of my tooth replaced. Oh.
0: <sighs> That's kind of bad. And then I was ass. just,
1: like, standing in the bathroom, like, when it rains, it pours. And then I just started scratching myself <laughs> my arms until it was bleeding.
0: Um, do you want to regale us with some of your grossest stories?
1: Um, There was a time I was, I remember I had to go to a work conference and i didn't want to be around anyone well first i could barely uh walk because even though i was like you know clothes rubbing on raw skin Mm -hmm. is not a pleasant sensation Mm -hmm. and anywhere i had to go um i just tried to make it as short from point a to point b uh because i didn't want um any more unnecessary clothes rubbing on my skin than possible. And I was at this work meeting and I had to be somewhere for a week and I was just trying to work in this office and like by myself. I mean, my hands were just absolutely a mess that I was sleeping in this hotel every night and hoping that I wasn't going to like get blood on the sheets (laughs) from my hands. Or from me scratching myself in the middle of the night. And uh, that I was just like, wow, this is a real low point. Like, I'm going to have to tip housekeeping extra because I couldn't stop scratching myself throughout Aww. the week at night. That's super fun. And then, yeah, and then in the day just being like, oh, I don't want to go anywhere. People would be like, oh, do you want to go get some lunch? I'm like, I don't want to stand or move or be here. But, you know, you can't. It had gone on for so many months. It went from, I mean, from the point where it first happened to me, was like the first week of January, and I don't think I actually got diagnosed and started getting, like, treatment that was actually working until... October of that same year. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of doctors that thought it was the, uh, I remember one guy who was just, he was insistent that I had poison ivy. I'm like, I don't think you should have a medical license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> That's weird. He couldn't even, He was, there were a lot of people that were just like, oh, you have um, undiagnosable atopic dermatitis. I'm like, um, no. Uh, and I have really good healthcare. That was the most frustrating thing Mm -hmm. is like out of everyone I know, like I know a lot of people who struggle without having like decent insurance, much less any insurance, you know, like having any like outlet for going to see a doctor who knows what is wrong. And if they don't, how to test you for what could be wrong. And I just feel like I'm really in like the – small percentage of people who have great access to healthcare. And it still took 10 months of dealing with people who had, I mean, medical professionals who had no idea what was going on with me and no idea how to treat it. And they wouldn't even like steer me in the right direction.
0: Yeah. Healthcare. And then also like a stable life and a job that values that, you and you can continue to work at yeah and if no children my, to take care of Oh my and god. Like how are other people supposed to deal with this
1: if it was so no. hard for you Right. I would just I would I when I had no idea what was going on. I mean at one point I was I went downtown and I went to what uh a lot of people call the tea witch. Yes. And I was telling her what was going on because she'd helped me with things before. Like I have um, osteoarthritis, and she'd sent me in a very good direction in terms of like long-term mm-hmm. um, anti-inflammatory management of my um, osteoarthritis before. So I came in and I was just like, "Look at me! I mean, I've like I walk around <laughs> feeling like I was." Help me. <laughs> no, I mean if honestly it made me into a weird shut-in for a while. Like not only was ever going anywhere super uncomfortable, but I'm just like I look like I'm melting. Oh. And um I only had
0: to deal with that for what? 2 weeks <laughs> when you and had that, staff on your face. Yeah, and that was hor- I would you get depressed too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Beyond. Yeah, that was something- I was always a
1: tie up. I'm like what's worse? The Physical pain or the actual depression.
0: Yeah. I've had that happen when I get
1: mosquito bites
0: on my face because I react really strongly to uh, mosquito bites. And, like, I've had my eyes swell up and crest shut so I look like
1: Quasimodo or something. But There was also something weird uh, that have happened. have that ongoing. <laughs> um, with my joints. Mm-hmm. Um, so my fingers, like I said, my hands are really like the canaries in the coal mine in terms of I came into contact with something, but there was, there would be this thing where my knuckle joints would swell. Yeah. Like crazy. Mm. I believe that. Cause
0: with some of the other stuff that we've talked about, um, we've talked about how things can progress into arthritis and infect your joints And I think that that's a natural progression of a lot of things. Well, there's, Mm -hmm. um, there's, um. From like STDs to like all kinds of like skin infections. What's the
1: skin one? The, um, psoriatic arthritis Mm -hmm. so psoriatic arthritis is one of the things that i was self-diagnosing myself as at the beginning because i was like okay straight up all my skin is straight up falling off and my knuckle joints are enormous like i can't put on any kind of jewelry but also like i can't bend my hands Mm -hmm. it wasn't just um i mean there it was a weird combination of i couldn't bend my fingers because my knuckle joints were so swollen but also because the skin had broken and crusted in so many different ways that, like, I literally couldn't bend my fingers mm-hmm. unless I wanted, like, some new raw wound to open up. Mm-hmm. So, I was just like, I think I have psoriatic arthritis. And then I'd go to a doctor and be like, what about psoriatic arthritis? And they like, you don't have that. And I'm like, okay, well, is there a test or do you, I yeah. mean, like, at this point, I feel like I just keep coming in and, like, suggesting something and y'all are like, mm, "Nope." next <laughs> like i don't know what am i doing your job should you be the yes. one that's asking me you what are you, think it is? you are doing the job
0: that's well, what a doctor is supposed to do i think this is one of the things that we've talked about a bunch before i mean granted i'm like none of us are doctors and i'm not trying to like discount how difficult it is to be a doctor but i think people have such, like, exacerbated sort of, like, mental health responses Mm -hmm. to physical conditions because there's just not a lot of patience and not a lot of care a lot of the times. And, like, they're just like, no, you don't have that. I can't figure out what's wrong with you. And sometimes it would, like, make such a difference for doctors to just say, like, I can tell you're really suffering and this must be really hard for you. Mm -hmm. And like so often that doesn't happen. And it's like, is it really that hard to take the extra 30 seconds to say that to a patient rather than just saying like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Let's just, I want you out of my office. Like I think it would make a
1: huge difference in terms of how people felt about the medical industry. Yeah, I agree. The only like little bit of compassion that I got that was kind of like that that I was really grateful for is was um some general practitioners who could not diagnose me and could not lead me in the right direction and I was waiting 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 to get into an allergist because even with amazing healthcare it was like you are trying to get as a new patient into an allergist they will see you in 6 months. Oh yeah. And I'm like uh cool cool cool. Well, um in the meantime, what do I do because there's this pain, there's this depression, there's All of this and some of those um, general practitioners were like, we understand that you're going through some serious stuff right now. You're like on a razor's edge of just like losing it on a daily basis Mm -hmm. because one, you have no idea what's wrong with you. Two, you keep seeing medical professionals who have no idea what's wrong with you, and everything you're trying isn't working. Mm-hmm. So they were like, here, have some Valium. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, this is not what I want. But they're like, you're also not sleeping. Like you're yes. staying awake, scratching your body Aww. all night long. And even if you think you're asleep, your whole body is awake scratching yes. yourself. <laughs> They're like, here, have some Valium. And then I was like, that, okay. And then I was like, oh, I guess I don't react to Valium. Oh. That was interesting oh. to find out. Did not like, have an effect on you? Nope. No. Cool. No. <laughs> no, I was just like, oh, what is that? Um, What's the NyQuil that doesn't have any cold medicine in it? Oh.
0: Or like oh, Advil like PM BD or something. BD yeah. BD. yeah.
1: I would just take those. I'm like, hopefully I can just sleep long enough that I can yeah. function during the day. Or Benadryl.
0: Did Benadryl help at all? No. Since it was an allergic reaction, nothing.
1: Okay, man, no. interest. No, I'm like I said, I was on um, all kinds of topical steroids. Yeah, hydrocortisone creams. Whatever this one was, this one gave me a little bit of relief. This is called clobetazole propanoinite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If that one worked. I went through a tube of that. That came from the um, cash only dermatologist. And I'm pretty sure each one of these tubes, um, not sh- sh- shorting you, was <laughs> about $250 a piece.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know any of the things that are in this. Yeah. Sorbitan
1: sesquioleate? I don't know. this <laughs> a cool one. <laughs> Haven't seen that before. This one was the best one. This one is just, I mean, I, I was just looking that up because, um. I was like, "Wow, that was that was to get me through until my skin was clean enough that Trac- it like Tacrolimus. Yeah. Ointment? Yeah. <laughs> so I was just looking that up and that's um that's just prescribed for people who have any kind of, kind of general eczema like or <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know what? You can put it anywhere. Um,
0: maybe it's similar. Maybe that's what's in vagicil that keeps maybe.
1: You from itching. Did you try Uh, a Vagisil bath? I did not try a Vagisil (laughs) bath, but, um, this... I'm kidding, don't do that. No. It (laughs) was... sounds kind of nice. It was, I mean, when I had no idea what was going on, just before I switched to just bar soap and water, like, I would think I was using simple, good, safe products for babies, and then, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, it was all over my body, like... In all my bits and pieces. And that's where I want to leave it. Do do you want to tell the story about sending pictures to your boss? Well, this kind of goes to like when you were talking about uh, products for babies. Um, And uh, in the uh, previous podcast, you were like, yes, use safe products. Dermatologist recommended and uh, for babies and non-commutogenic and blah, blah, blah. Whatever fancy words they say. All of those words at the beginning of a product are, think of those in the equivalent of just like when a food product calls itself natural. Like that means nothing. It certifies nothing. And I knew that I was going to go out to a sunny place, and I really wanted to be outside in the sun, and I have very fair skin in general, and um, I hadn't tried any kind of sunblock <clears throat> in that summer, leading up to you know actually getting diagnosed, which happened in late September, early October of that year, I used uh, a Neutrogena like infant and baby oh I use that one sunblock that was like super pure and clean and wonderful, and I was just like I I didn't know this name of this chemical I was allergic to. I didn't know yeah. what I was supposed to be avoiding, so I used this and I. Wanted to use it on as little of my body as possible, and um, so I had on a sweatshirt, and I had it all zipped up, and it was long-sleeved, and I put this product on my hands, and my neck, and my ears, and my face, and we went out to the lake, and we sat in the sun and hung out for a few hours, and then I came home, and I washed the product off of my hands, and my ears, and my face, and... I woke up the next morning and I couldn't open my eyes and I knew that there was just this, I, I was really scared about the fatigue that my bosses may be feeling about having to deal with this fairly recent and ongoing and really unpredictable situation that I was in and that I was putting them in, in terms of my attendance at work. So at certain points I would just... You know, I I felt like, oh, my God, they they must feel like I'm faking it. And so I would text my boss pictures of whatever was keeping me (laughs) from work that day. Yeah, I texted her a photo of my face. I'm like, it was really hard because it looked like I could just barely, like, crack my eyeballs open enough to, like, be like, okay. And then, like, bathroom (laughs) selfie. Like, (laughs) not the ones you send to people that you're trying to you know convinced Arouse. that you should <laughs> date them or something
0: I don't know you anybody? should start a program <laughs> With
1: only those pictures I took so many pictures of my body when this was happening cuz I was like I don't Do I have to, because I never knew like if, if I would go into a doctor's office and I'd be like, well, things look okay today. And I just pick up, I like show them my phone I'm like, this is what my hands look like last week. And they'd be like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, things are okay today. But here I was last week. I took a lot of pictures of what was going on because I also, I legit felt like I was losing my mind because Mm -hmm. no one would tell me what was wrong what was causing it or what started it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was going just absolutely nuts about. I'm like, what started this? I'm a grown ass adult. What started this? How do you, how does something like this start and how, (sighs) if you can start it, can you stop it?
0: (laughs) Well, we were talking earlier before we started recording about how, how much worse something like this would be if you were predisposed to any sort of paranoia and like if mm-hmm. you like believed in any capacity that like people were out to get you or that the government was poisoning your water or like anything like that, that like if you had this unexplained condition that nobody could like give you relief from that, maybe you would believe that aliens were
1: implanting fibers into your skin. And seemingly you you know, know, like, that nobody else is dealing with. Yeah. yeah.
0: And like, it's, crazy to think about how common it actually is and yet like you were it took you so long to get a reasonable explanation yeah and like one of the things i talked about in the episode that we scrapped was like that there's an emerging field of uh psychodermatology which is like looking at how intensely connected our mental health is to skin conditions and like that there may even be things since we don't know very much about like how the brain works that like given the fact that our skin has you know that's where our nervous system goes out to is to our skin and so then it leads back to our brain and that's like Mm -hmm. our skin is the way that we like send messages to our brain and if Mm -hmm. all of those messages are really negative then our brain just starts to deteriorate kind of and we can't function when our skin is completely irritated all the time and it right starts to affect the way that we see the world and the way that we relate to our ego and all of those things like right <laughs> and
1: I mean just the t- I mean what you were saying earlier Katie when you're stressed out you get bah, 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 hives yeah I don't it's like it's something that happens like there are people I mean it's it's it it's a road that goes both ways mm-hmm. and it's so obvious that it does -hmm I really wish you hadn't scrapped that episode. <laughs> well,
0: well, we're gonna. I'm gonna replace that info with some uh, more interesting things about medieval medicine. But uh, I think the only other tidbit that uh, we haven't included yet was that one of the leading uh, people in this field was named Doctor Grossbart. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which I was quite pleased to find out. (laughs) That's like when you find out that the head of the National Enquirer is named David Pecker. I know. (laughs) that's
0: too perfect. You made that up. My mom had a dermatologist named
1: Dr. Whitehead.
0: No, really?
1: Yeah. True story. (laughs) That's too perfect. I know. Also, dermatologists are about as long of a wait period to get into as an allergist. So when I first was trying to find someone who was some kind of specialist, it's like, well, you can wait six months to see an allergist or eight months to see a dermatologist. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand because I don't think I'm going to live that long. Like my (laughs) bones are stopped they're not working Uh, anymore. And it was starting with my hands. And then like, I was starting to feel things happening in my elbows. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I need to see someone now. Yeah. This is what emergency room should be for. This is an emergency situation. And I only got in to see that dermatologist because she doesn't take insurance and she's cash only. Mm-hmm. And somehow that skirts around the whole waiting period issue. Something. Well,
0: she probably does She's got a real
1: short list. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, like, that I'm, I'm sure she has her reasons for doing that, but that's kind of infuriating that, you know, people who are in poverty are then cut off from quality. Oh yeah. Care. Does she do a sliding scale? Or is it just I don't know these that. are my rates? Not
1: that I know of. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with a lot of mental health practitioners too. Yeah. Like a lot of therapists. Yeah, they're private. They're yeah. private practice. They're just um, you know, you just go in there, there's like really no billing department whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you just I mean, it feels almost like black market when you do it. Yeah. It's- <laughs> really weird also
0: when you're like I'm really glad that like my current therapist goes through a mental health association instead because I used to have a therapist that you know, I would just be like, here's all my deep, dark, disgusting secrets. And then at the end, she's like, okay, pay me $200. And I'm right, like, yeah. I'll leave and it I'm on like, the table. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it feels weird. That's part <laughs> like, of the reason that I stopped to seeing my therapist when my insurance changed. Because it was like, ah, shit. Like, I have to pay for this now. Right. Because, like, I don't have to pay just to go talk to somebody. Like, I have a really good support network of friends that will let yeah. me just talk to them about stuff. And I don't have to pay them $200. That's why I think your last therapist sucked. Well, got <laughs> that. If she might, it's listen to See, your I friends know.
1: aren't objective listeners. It's yeah, true. I don't.
0: Uh, can I well, just interject that if you think that you might need therapy, do not rely on your friends and family. I well, mean, you should rely on your friends and family for yeah. certain support systems, but friends and family are, they are. They're subject to your situation. Yeah. When you make a decision, it affects them. And so they can't give you objective advice because they don't want you to make a decision that's going to inconvenience or harm them in some sort of way. And so I don't think it's a very good idea for people to seek psychological help from people who are invested in their lives. And also it's not healthy for your relationships to overburden those who care about you um, so that is my soapbox that I think you should really consider getting third party help if you're dealing with intense mental health issues. Not that I'm saying you are. I was but just say. to I the should. world I really just wanna encourage people to seek third party interference the the situation (laughs) this public service announcement (laughs) is brought to you by i should have specified that my situation (laughs) i had i had gotten through a bunch of stuff and was feeling better and this person had provided help for a time period but at at this point they were more of like a cheerleader and it was like i i have people in my life who are happy to function this way in the capacity that i require I don't need to pay somebody to do it, but I also sort of switched my attention to seeing a psychologist mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist. Right, a psychiatrist. Thank you. I went the wrong way <laughs> uh, to <Back> up. <laughs> to pivot and and start focusing on some different things. So I
1: didn't just give up mental health care. So, but the bottom line is that. Dealing with health practitioners who only take cash and don't take insurance, one is creepy, and two, shouldn't be a thing because basic health care should be an American right.
0: I yeah. wish we were in a place where like they just paid all mental all medical providers a wage mm-hmm. that was reasonable, and then they didn't even itemize your health your health concerns. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that to me would just be such a better way of dealing with this. Like you shouldn't, I've worked in the medical field and you should not have to have all of these price points for these different conditions that people are going in for and different things that you charge insurance companies for based on what someone's going in for, because you really, when it comes down to it, Especially when we're talking about how that felt like an emergency to you. Yes. I've also worked not as like a any medical capacity, but I've worked in emergency rooms, and it is bonkers what people actually consider to be an emergency because oh, to yeah. an individual, certain things might feel like a complete emergency, but if they don't fit a certain criteria, then they're not being registered as an emergency. And then it exacerbates because they get put on the back burner. And sometimes the only way that they can get care is to be violent or to throw a fit in some capacity. And that's especially true with mental illness. And it just seems ridiculous that you would like, I mean, I know triaging is necessary sometimes, but like, I don't know. That's I just can't stand that we don't have a functioning mental no. health and medical system in our country. It's and every dog. time
1: someone brings up, you know, that uh, <clears throat> the the red herring or the you know the pointless conversation topic of, well, you know, America is the best healthcare system in the world because if you were to live in Canada, you'd have to wait eight months to see somebody. It's all. Bitch, I did. Like, I have fabulous... Like, I have, like, platinum insurance. Like, yeah. the reason I work for a nonprofit society is not because I'm raking in the cash. But what I'm really, really appreciative about, not just, like, what the mission of my organization is, but the fact that we have buco benefits and the mm-hmm. fact that I have all of... I'm in this incredibly privileged position where I have fantastic health care. Not like... I'm not, like, getting... Private hospital rooms. I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, but I'm like okay. But you like, are like one of our richest friends. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, not true, but
0: <laughs> we have really poor friends, Amanda. <laughs> you bought
1: a house.
0: That's, That's true. Great.
1: Like how All right. does that how do you do that? Sure, frugality how- shame me. <laughs>
0: Like relative to our circle, yes, I'm not.
1: I'm not living in squalor. I'm, uh, you know, I'm really good at saving. But like, no, I actually. The more I talk to people I know, I'm, and as I'm getting older, I am actually making less money than more people than I know than not. Okay, so anyway, we did. We didn't mean to kind of shame you. <laughs> anyway, I am saying my job has fantastic benefits. And that's one of the reasons I love staying there is because I really like working for an employer who understands that it's not just about treating illness. Like there's also mm. lots of programs for if you're going through grief, there's like weird counselors through the, um, uh, healthcare or the insurance program and like all of these things that like, you don't even have to wait around to see anybody about, but it is drives me crazy when people are like, well, socialized medicine. If you were to live in another another country, it would take you forever to get a hip replacement. I'm all, have you met anyone who's gotten a hip replacement? That shit takes forever. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever met anyone who needs an organ transplant? That shit takes forever. Have you ever met anyone who needs to see something as basic as a dermatologist or an allergist? Yeah, like It just blew my mind how upon... Seeing the allergist for the first time, finally getting in there, meeting this person, giving him my story, him ordering tests, him checking me out, him ordering tests, then like going through basically a week's worth of tests, which were like patch tests on my back, and then like prick tests that were a little different, um, so like two rounds of topical tests where they you know, divide your back up into a huge grid. I want
0: that.
1: And they test you for everything from strawberries to uh, nickel to eggs to cat hair to chemicals to to everything. To pollen and all kinds of stuff. pollen to bee stings. You know, Mm -hmm. they give you all of this stuff and then, um, you know, there were two different kinds of rounds of that and... That was really difficult because your entire back is covered in uh, medical tape. And um, and also, I heard you say on a previous podcast, I, one of you said, oh, I'm allergic to adhesive. Yeah, I always have been. Paper tape all the mm-hmm. way. So you always ask for paper tape. Hmm. Um, paper tape. But then my back was also covered in saran wrap. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no. And you have to be like that and not scratch and not shower and not sweat for three days it's like having a tattoo <laughs> that was torture but also coming out of what i had already been through i'm like mm-hmm. this is nothing like it yeah. was a lot of breathing focusing and like yeah just like you know breathing meditation and just trying to like dial the world out in order to get through that and there were two different kinds of rounds of that for them to figure give me the whole barrage of testing and i yeah i have no idea how much that was for my insurance or whatever
0: Oh, a lot
1: I'm, I'm sure. sure it was yeah and that's how they you know finally diagnosed me and um, you were saying in a previous episode about diagnostic euphoria hmm after all the testing after all of the months of going through this sitting in that doctor's office while he is sitting across from me we're knee-to-knee he has the best bedside manner <laughs> We're knee to knee. We're just on the same level. I'm not up on some weird table on a piece of paper. You know? <laughs> I don't like being a, a piece of meat on display at a doctor's office. We're sitting there in chairs across from each other and he's going over these charts and he's looking at them and every time he like decides to tell me something, he looks up and looks me in the eye <clears throat> and he tells me everything I'm allergic to and he says it you know, in a not, not in a pandering, and he says it in a very scientific way, but also with a lot of compassion in his voice. And that's when I was just like, I just started weeping.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: was crying, like and I didn't even realize it was happening until he looked up and he was like, Oh my god. Like I didn't it did not register that like tears were flowing down my face and I was starting to like <laughs> 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 like sobbing because so Somebody told me that a thing that I knew was wrong was an actual yeah, thing. Yeah, it was yeah. not in my head. It was not made up. It wasn't something, and I, I wasn't be, I wasn't the, Oh, you're the first person that's ever had this. You know, yeah. it was like a yeah. real thing that other people have gone through before. I felt like a connection and a relief, and I was like, Oh my God, this has a name, and now we can try and work to fix it. Mm-hmm. Did you have anybody suggest that it was in your head? There were other uh, medical professionals who did. Oh, yeah. They were like, I don't know what this is, but I've never seen anything. The medical professionals had looked, had looked this up online. I'm like, you, I can do that. Am yeah. I doing your job yeah. for you? Don't web MD me. or are goddamn know. doctor. Yeah. yeah. I have got, I got straight up webmed by actual <laughs> medical professionals. And I was like, no, you can't. I think the person who actually prescribed me the Valium honestly thought I was making it up. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. they're like, "You need to calm down. You're really anxious." And you and I'm like, "Okay, cool. So send me to a therapist." And they're like, uh, "No, we're just going to like tell you to calm down. And also here's some Valium." I'm like, "What is the point of you? <laughs>
0: like, what? Also, you like,
1: don't I realize like that's I've not, not how it. exciting works.
0: <laughs> you don't just like literally being." somebody who's like had anxiety my whole life like telling somebody to calm down when they're anxious is about the worst thing that yes. you can do yeah it does not help and I I can't believe how little some medical practitioners are trained in like yeah mental health
1: the actual words out of their mouth were you know you're just really gonna need to calm down <laughs> Oh my god. And I'm I'm just sitting there. That was one of the places where you sit up on a paper bench and on a bench covered in paper. And I'm just sitting up there on my bench covered in paper. I'm like, I can't. I don't Sure, I'll try Valium. Let's give that a shot. <laughs> Why not? But I'm, yeah, I don't no I honestly don't thing. think they thought I thought they I think they thought my mental state was creating a skin condition.
0: But like like we said before, there's no such thing as in your head because even if you even if you were in that state, even if you had, you know, a psychiatric condition <coughs> that was causing you to over itch, that is still a real thing. Like that Valium not, doesn't heal That's not a choice that you're making. <laughs> no, it doesn't That's It's like you would need tender care for that just in a different capacity and I yeah. think I, I don't know if it's something that and again I don't mean to like badmouth all doctors because I don't think doctors are like uniformly terrible but I don't think I think there's something wrong with the structure of like the medical system that they don't talk about like like things that are psychiatric being also something you can have medicine for that you can have treatment for yeah. it's not a choice that people are making and that is. You know, a condition that they have. It's no different than catching a cold. You don't choose to catch a cold. You know,
1: like you know, maybe you wouldn't have a cold if you just calm down. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that cold would go away. Here's some Valium. Yeah,
0: if I broke my arm and I was like, this is driving me crazy, would they give me Valium
1: and tell me to calm down? Yeah. No, they'd fix my freaking arm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to leave without warning everyone. Somebody give me a siren
0: what <laughs> <laughs> <makes noise> <laughs> <makes noise> I feel that's like our, we need
1: our air horn that signals a party a, in the club <laughs> <laughs> no this is not an in the club this is a warning <laughs> <laughs> I I know that like uh, I, I just there's so many people who have told me over the years like I have sensitive skin or I have problem skin or something weird keeps happening every once in a while with my skin and I always ask them to just check out their products and make sure that their products don't have any MI in them or any of the other names that MI goes under Mm -hmm. Um, because, one, there's really no... I mean, unless something's your super favorite, awesome, great product, that's fabulous. You can find an alternative for it. I did. Like, if there's something that... There's no reason for you to be putting this stuff on your skin. There's no reason for you to be putting this stuff on your clothes, in your sheets. There's no reason for you to be washing your counters with this product. There are alternatives everywhere, and the only way you can get this allergy is through repeated exposure. So the more you cut down on your exposure, and seriously, if there's an allergy you can avoid, it's one where your skin is falling off. <clears throat> like and if that's avoidable, I wish someone had told me years ago, like just cut any product that has mi in it just cut it out of your life like you're gonna find somewhere something else that you can use it might take a while but you can find it and if you can just cut down your exposure to this product and seriously i just i want to stress this so much like don't expose your kids to this there's no reason your baby needs to have baby wipes with this stuff in it there are alternatives there are alternative sunscreens there's alternative lotions There's alternative laundry detergent and dish soap and everything. Like, the only way you get this allergy is through repeated exposure and just cut down your exposure and never get it. That's all I want to tell people is, like, go through your stuff, cut it out of your life, write the FDA, tell them to make it illegal. The end.
0: Thank you so much for being on our show, Amanda, and thank you to everybody out there listening. If you want to hear more, you can find us at grossbod.com and on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, where we would be super stoked if you liked, subscribed, or gave us a hot review. Smash that subscribe button.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that little bell in the corner. No. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. <laughs> we are also now
0: on the air locally in Bellingham every other Monday night at 10 p.m. on KZAC's 94.9 right. 90, FM, 9. FM. <laughs> and streaming on kzaxradio.org. Send us topic requests, poop stories. And photos of your gnarly allergic reactions at grossbodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to air out your vagina.
1: What's up,